Now, boys and girls, I'm going to give you an assignment. I want you to write a theme. Project-based competency-based education, online and hybrid classes, demand every disruption of global education systems in history. I'm Jimmy Leonard. This is Kicking It New School. Why ChatGPT's assault on homework is good for education. Artificial intelligence has ruined homework forever. Maybe? Remember in the 1990s when people were all like, hey, wouldn't it be cool if a robot could do your homework for you? Well, that future is now. ChatGPT Basically, the 21st century Little Shop of Horrors remake developed by tech unicorn OpenAI is now the fastest growing consumer application in history, with 100 million users in the first two months and the early signs that generative AI will soon be part of our regular online search experience. I am already so stoked for the inevitable congressional hearing with these same erudite interviewers who have apparently never used TikTok in their lives. Can you say with 100% certainty that TikTok does not use the phone's camera to determine whether the content that elicits a pupil dilation should be amplified by the algorithm? Can you tell me that? We do not collect body, face, or voice data to identify our users. We do not. The, the, the How, only well, you, you don't? The, no. So, Mr. Chu, if the CCP tells ByteDance to turn over all data that TikTok has collected inside the U.S., even within Project Texas, do they have to do so, according to Chinese law? Congressman, first, I'm I'm Singaporean. Um, That's fine. Oh, gosh. All right. So anyway, if you don't know, ChatGPT can do just about anything. It can code for you. It can prepare you for job interviews. It can write marketing content. And to every student's delight, write essays. And yes, there's a lot of criticism about its inaccuracies and stories of people stumping it with children's riddles. But if you've used it, you have to admit that it's pretty cool. It's so fast. It's so smooth. And honestly, it's quite accurate as long as you keep your questions on the level and you don't try to play mind games with the computer. I mean, recently, ChatGPT passed a coding interview for a level three engineer at Google, a position that pays 183000 in annual salary. Now, let's be real. We already knew that robots worked at Google. We just didn't realize they got paid so well. So the question that I want to talk about is, has artificial intelligence really killed homework? Or maybe to phrase that more how a lot of teachers and parents are thinking about it, Will students use ChatGPT to cheat? When all you have to do is type, write a five paragraph essay on the causes of the American Revolution, and you instantly get a five paragraph essay about taxation without representation, tea parties, and the tell-all memoir Spare by Prince Harry, it is worth wondering if any student will ever do homework ever again. Now, generally speaking, the people concerned about this are the same types who decry Wikipedia and tell their kids to get off YouTube and go read a book. And most of what I've read on this topic repeats the same overarching criticisms. Large language models can't think for themselves. It doesn't understand what it's saying. It's full of factual errors. 
and there's a significant risk of spreading bias or one-sided narratives. Also, if you ask the same question twice, you can get some conflicting information. So ChatGPT is wrong a lot, but it's confidently wrong. And if your own head isn't screwed on straight, this thing can really lead you astray. To which I say, welcome to the internet. We've all heard this song before, right? Google Translate will ruin foreign language education. Graphing calculators will make you forget how to do math. Kids these days don't know how to read an analog clock because all their gosh darn blasted digital watches. Now for effective teachers, these are tools, not barriers. Integrating Google Translate can support foreign language learning without sacrificing academic rigor. Automating computations does not replace mathematical reasoning and proofs. And the last time I checked, they still make Rolexes with little hands that spin around the circle. By the way, if you ask any elementary school math teacher, they will tell you how using analog clocks for students is actually really helpful to conceptualize fractions. Now, if you ask those same elementary school math teachers how many Rolexes they own, they'll tell you they save that lesson for when they get to imaginary numbers. So back to the internet. For decades now, we've had kids in school with access to this instant wealth of information that is full of inaccuracies and one-sided and self-contradictory and often just spewing straight-up nonsense. And I'm pretty sure those are the four pillars of Twitter, and that was before Elon changed the logo to a Shiba Inu. So for all its hype, ChatGPT isn't doing anything that we haven't already seen the internet do. It presents users with content but users need to apply their own judgment. Or if I can read this quote from Ian Bogus of The Atlantic, he says, ChatGPT doesn't make accurate arguments or express creativity, but instead produces textual material in a form corresponding with the requester's explicit or implicit intent, which might also contain truth under certain circumstances. That is, alas, an accurate account of textual matter of all kinds. So in other words... Just because it's in a book, it doesn't mean it's accurate. Just because it's in a magazine or a newspaper or an online forum or an AI chatbot, it doesn't mean that we should blindly trust it, right? So let's take a step back and reframe this discussion. If you are a teacher and your homework assignments are so easy that a language model could generate some random text and get a passing grade, I submit to you that you are doing homework wrong. So let's break it down into a few categories. Now, for the sake of this, I'm assuming an audience of maybe late middle school, early high school students, but many of these principles apply to college students as well. It's just that college students tend to be a little more philosophically committed one way or the other already. They're either going to make a sincere effort because they want to learn, or they're going to find the lazy way out no matter what the instructor does. Now, for elementary school kids, let's pretend for a moment that we don't live in this dystopia where nine-year-olds have unrestricted access to the internet on their phones and are inexcusably unsupervised while completing copious amounts of homework late into the evening for a class that has no bearing on their future careers as influencers. Anyway, let's start with math. What is the square root of 300? No, no, don't you dare reach for a calculator. You need to separate this bad boy into factors. Okay, so if you're listening to this as you're driving in your car or something, bear with me. 300 is 3 times 100. The square root of 100 is 10, 
which you should just know that. You should have memorized that somewhere between learning the digits of pi and the sum of all angles in a dodecahedron or something. So we have the square root of 300 is the square root of 100 times the square root of 3, which we can simplify as 10 times the square root of 3, which is not helpful. So let's back this way up. In what far-fetched real-life scenario would you need to express the square root of 300 as a radical? Why? How often do you need to know the square root of anything? And if you do, you use a calculator. The answer is 17.32, by the way. You're welcome. But we're still teaching this in a lot of schools. We, we learn these lessons. We have these worksheets about how to do the square root of something. And this is exactly why most chalk dust covered sweater vest wearing purists will tell you that calculations are not mathematics. If you want to learn what a square root is conceptually, I recommend doing a hands-on geometry lab with little tiles arranged in squares on a table. But if you need to know the answer, of course a computer should do it for you. Of course. So a worksheet of 50 random computations is akin to manual data entry. And if a kid cheats on that assignment, you know what? Good for them. Because these kinds of tasks should be automated. Meaningful mathematics is about applied problem solving, pattern recognition, and deductive reasoning. So if you're a teacher, use story problems. Get interdisciplinary with science labs, architecture and design, or personal finance. Math should be mentally stimulating, not six sheets of notebook paper to show your work to prove that you didn't use a calculator when in real life you would never do that, ever. So what about language arts? Question like, what is the major theme in John Bunyan's The Pilgrim's Progress? Write a five-paragraph essay using quotes from the book. Cite the page numbers. MLA format, right? Try not to fall asleep face first on your keyboard because this essay is so boring. And really, one of the problems with traditional ELA, and I say this as an English teacher, is that these kinds of questions give the perception that there is a right answer. We ask, what is the theme? Now, yes, teachers will encourage students to choose their own paths and defend their ideas. But if you Google this, you will find an answer. And if you're wondering, it's uh, the burden of sin and salvation through Christ, according to Lit Charts. There you go. Voila. So from the student's point of view, an essay like this, what is the major theme? It's often seen as read a book you don't particularly enjoy then read the teacher's mind as to what it's about, and then write a formulaic essay with no room for creativity. Of course, there's a temptation to use a chatbot to write that essay. So instead, I'm a fan of writing workshops. Give students projects and assignments that allow for real choice and authentic voice, and then apply those literary techniques throughout the revision process. A teacher might give a mini lesson on theme, then give the feedback that a student's essay is a little bit confusing because it's discussing too many themes at once. In other words, immediately show why the lesson matters in a personal, creative context. Everything from weighing in on current events to deconstructing their favorite YouTuber's delivery, questions like, why are they funny? What techniques do they use? All of that is on the table. 
Class time should include multiple rounds of revisions and discussion. Verbal processing is hugely underrated. So I'll put it another way. If ChatGPT could write a convincing B, B plus essay using just your essay prompt, it's a bad essay prompt. When students find their voices and feel that their ideas matter, they won't want to cheat anyway. So you might be listening to this thinking, okay, is this like just an ideal? And if you're a school teacher, it's hard to change the whole system overnight. I get it. Trust me, I get it. If you're a homeschool educator, some of this might just seem out of your wheelhouse. There's no quick fix that will suddenly make all kids love school. But I do know that we shouldn't be afraid of AI advances. We shouldn't feel stuck in the same homework ruts year after year. So whether you want to just bounce some ideas off of another human or you need some help with curricular planning, I'm ready to listen. You can find me on my website, jimmyleonard.com. I help with curriculum planning. I provide private tutoring. We can talk about just about anything. I promise I am not going to quiz you on mental math and square roots and radicals and all of that. So please reach out. I would love to understand what's going on and how we can work together to educate students in the face of, alongside of artificial intelligence. Thank you so much for joining me on this episode. It's a pleasure to be with you. Until next time, I'm Jimmy Leonard. This is Kicking It New School.